everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking with talk and talking with someone I've met a couple of times because his mom teaches with me. He has a bachelor's in religious studies from UVA, and he actually went to school where his mom and I teach at St. Bridget's here in Richmond. It's Sean Martinez. Good morning, Sean. Hi. Good morning, Julia. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being here. And it's is your first time doing a podcast? This is my first time ever. Um, I admit I'm a little nervous, but also very excited. I think this is going to be a really great conversation. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself? Yeah, I think just to give more background on my faith journey, I had the Catholic upbringing going to, to the school where you and my mom teach, but um, I was also involved with a evangelical like youth group ministry in high school that I was involved with through college. So I kind of have both the Catholic side and the evangelical Christian side. I've tried to kind of meld it in an interesting mm-hmm. way, and that's kind of framing how I approach scripture even now as a, um, you know, a young adult, you know, in my uh, mid to late twenties. <laughs> <laughs> you're still young. You're still yeah. super young. <laughs> when you did your religious studies at UVA, what kind of classes did you take? So there's two that really stick out that I love to tell people about. The first, it was called Faith and Doubt in the Modern World. We looked at some pretty foundational texts in the realm of like religious studies, but also looking specifically at Christianity um, what are the what are the arguments against the existence mm-hmm. of God, and then specifically the existence of a God Man like Jesus of Nazareth, who is mm-hmm. part God? That you know, the Catholic tradition, the evangelical tradition, would argue that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second class is or was American religious innovation, which is mm-hmm. just a really cool name for a class. And we studied uh, Mormonism, the Nation of Islam, and Scientology. So. I was I was lucky. A lot of great classes to take in the religious studies department at UVA. Absolutely. That first class really intrigues me as well, like the cases against. So what kind of, I mean, we get really nerdy here, but I would yeah. have to go to it. But like what philosophers did they, they cite or what books did you use? What texts? So yeah, the two that stand out as cases against, there is a book by Sigmund Freud. So I guess a psychoanalyst is the right term that mm-hmm. he wrote called The Future of an Illusion. And he argued that belief in God should be categorized as a mental illness, um, which is heavy for me because, you know, I have a mental illness myself. It's part of why I want to talk about this verse. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that was a really interesting argument to, to look at. And then the other one was a text from a guy named Sam Harris, who is, yeah, he's a Stanford trained, like neuroscientist, but does a lot of philosophy against religion he focuses on Islam, but he also takes his arguments and applies them broadly to um, to religion, like Christianity and, and Judaism, even saying that they are dangerous. And here's why. So, oh so very, goodness. yeah, some very kind of intense arguments that were helpful to to look at, but yeah, kind of cutting at my own beliefs at times. Sure, and I um I teach you know I teach debate and and also religion at, oh, cool. at uh, yeah. the middle school level, um, but I think it's important for us to look at both sides of an argument. And I try to teach my students that because I, you know, why it can, like, especially in regards to our faith, maybe make us ask some tough questions. I think when we, 
I don't know, it also can strengthen our faith too, um, you know, to when we come out on the other side of it. And I, I'm glad you picked this verse as well, because I think it does speak a lot to kind of the things that you were just describing. So I'm excited to get into it. Thank you for sharing all of that. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to. Um, so I'm going to have you read the verse that you chose, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, and then we're going to get into it. Perfect. I've got it pulled up, and this is the English Standard Version, which is what I tend to use mm-hmm. um, most heavily. So verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, I love this verse. So I'm going to give a little bit of just kind of where we're at in Second Corinthians and like what the book of Second Corinthians is about. So a couple weeks ago, I actually had a guest do um, something from the first letter of Corinthians. So we've talked a little bit about that in the first letter. Corinth, by the way, is in Greece, and it's um, a community that Paul was really close to. And so in Paul's first letter, the church is going through some divisions and factionalism, so he's trying to address that. But here in the second letter, he's he's encountered some kind of um, accusations. People are kind of calling him out on some things, and so he's defending himself a little bit. There's this painful situation that's unnamed and may have strained Paul's relationship with the community that that he's kind of addressing. And I feel like you can see that here where he, in this specific chapter, is like acknowledging his weaknesses. But then, you know, we can talk about what he says about how that makes him stronger. But I wanted to ask you first, Sean, why did you pick this passage? Yeah, no, the the context is helpful. And mm-hmm. I, I, most of it is the last sentence in my translation. But then also... I have um, an app that does red lettering when it's Jesus talking. And this is actually mm-hmm. verse nine is red lettered. So the, my grace is fishing mm-hmm. for my powers made perfect mm-hmm. in weakness is apparently Jesus talking to Paul okay. or yeah. Talking to Paul. And then the last sentence for when I am weak, then I'm strong. I love that like contradictory idea, I guess, because mm-hmm. it, this is just me personally saying, right. Like growing up, as a man in America feeling like strength is so important. I mean, not Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not, it's not important for, for other genders, of course, but Mm -hmm. I always felt this, like it was a requirement for me to be strong. And Mm -hmm. still, I still feel that to a a degree. So Mm -hmm. if, if being weak makes you strong, I want to be weak, but it's like a weird (laughs) thing to wrap your mind around. But Mm -hmm. through, through my mental illness, which is bipolar one, I have, I have had to reckon with my weakness, like my my need to rely on others. Mm-hmm. So I can I can go back to this verse at times when I feel like I'm not strong and just realize, okay, there is strength in enduring something like bipolar one, you know, insert any other illness, right? Like mm-hmm. there is strength in that. Even if there's a weakness that's part of it, there is strength there as well. Oh my gosh, you bring up so many points that I definitely want to address. I think something when I read this passage, I definitely think about our culture that you described that, um, especially in our American culture where we feel this need to be perfect, especially I think in our like middle to Mm. upper middle class. And so me as like a white woman, I feel it, especially in the like late nineties. Now I feel 
not to say it's not as difficult for women now, um, but I think there's more body, body positivity in the movements and like in social media and stuff now where um, when I was growing up, we didn't have that. It was like the 90s and you had to be rail thin, <laughs> like the models were super skinny. And I just always felt, um, you know, I struggled with an eating disorder and depression in high school because I think that I wanted to fit this model of perfection, you know, in our society's mind and not just physically, but then also there's the academics, you know, I feel, you know, you described, you went to UVA, Ivy League school, right? Like, um, the public Ivy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like that pressure there. I feel from our, our backgrounds of how we were raised to excel at academically, um, societally, emotionally, we really, I just, I mean, feel free to jump in here, but the, the pressures of society, like that we had to fit this perfect image. Would you agree? Yeah, the perfectionism has been a big piece for me when it comes to strength. I mean, for me, playing football was a big like testing ground mm-hmm. where how strong can you be? Are you strong enough to and I was a lineman, so I was I it was like one guy usually up against me, it's like who's stronger every play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and also technique wise, like can you be both strong and perfect mm-hmm. to do your job? I had a, a coach freshman year who'd always say, Do your job. Like it's you and ten people, each person does their job right we score mm-hmm. a touchdown, right? So mm-hmm. that, that's just kind of like a microcosm, just playing football. But I would also extrapolate to things like you mentioned, academics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with, with the football, there is a body piece as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've always felt like I'm not as athletically built or as like muscular as like I want to be. And mm-hmm. there's a societal pressure that um, that I've kind of internalized i think so mm-hmm. it's it's different but i think there are a lot of similarities there with yeah. uh, with men and women you know in the american mm-hmm. context yeah and i think our students my students still feel it today unfortunately we have made great strides i think in talking talking more about um, mental illnesses and anxiety and how um, especially in this pandemic like a lot of us are admitting that we we have anxiety and that's okay you know um but anyways, back to this this passage and how that can help, how this passage, I think, helps us. So we see Paul here, you know, admitting his weaknesses. And I gave you a little bit of context about how he may have been having some difficulties with his community. It doesn't really say what, but maybe there was something painful that happened here that he's addressing. So applying this to, to today or what, what do you see in Paul? Yeah. Um, you know, how help me out here. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go back to the the part that's in red lettering on mine, which is mm-hmm. my grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. I tend to focus on that second part because power. Okay. Mm-hmm. If it's, we're talking about the power of God, like, mm-hmm. okay, let's focus on that. My power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about this word perfect. So mm-hmm. I guess the claim here is that if I am weak, God's power is made perfect in me. Mm-hmm. And that kind of harkens back to, I think, the Sermon on the Mount in a lot of ways, like mm-hmm. be meek, poor in spirit. I mean, those are words, terms that you would equate to weakness, especially in American, you know, individualist, consumerist, consumerist mm-hmm. society. So that's a whole piece. But but I love that in my translation, I, I imagine it's similar in, in most. My grace is sufficient for you, mm-hmm. which that's not a new or a unique argument, but I love that that's the first part because it's important to acknowledge that, recognize that, and have that be the the lens through which you're talking about the next part. So my grace is is covering you, right? My mm-hmm. It's because of my grace that you can be weak and my power can be made perfect in you is mm-hmm. kind of the way I would, would frame it. And I can apply it to my life and think, 
okay, if God's grace is bigger than any of my problems, it's okay for me to fail. It's okay for me to not be perfect because he's perfect regardless. And he's going to do a perfect work in me regardless. That's the way I like to think of it. And, and again, to go back to my mental illness, that happens. It's going to happen throughout my life is times where I'm going to mess up because this, I can't, I didn't manage it correctly. I didn't manage it the best I could, which is hard, but Mm -hmm. I have to remember that because there's a God that loves me and, and, and covers me in grace. It's okay for me to mess up. Amen. Absolutely. I have a question. So when you, again, I'm a religion teacher, so I'm yeah. always like, I've, I've taught for a long time. What is your definition of grace? Like, how would you yeah. define grace? To me, it's, it's, it's not something like I think of deserving, right? Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if forgiveness is the right word to use, but it's, mm-hmm. maybe it is. Uh, it seems like maybe forgiveness is the right way to think of it for me, mm-hmm. but I know I don't deserve it. So it's God bestowing this like pre-forgiveness on me, mm-hmm. even though I don't deserve it because mm-hmm. of sin. You can, of course, include that. But Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think um, it's like a free gift is always how I kind of describe it. It's like, it's what helps us in our sin. You know, it's that it is kind of a strength, I think. It's like this free, it is hard to define and describe, but like <laughs> it's this kind of free help. You know, it's this free gift from God that's going to help us to overcome and to, you know, sin and, and weakness, I think. So I think it's appropriate here for sure. I don't know if you wanted to add to that. I mean, it's just, I, I keep bringing up my mental illness. I just, and the reason being, I, I think it's important to talk about it because sure. I don't know how many people listening to this episode <laughs> are going to be able to relate. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've been specific about, I have bipolar one, but there are so many others and mm-hmm. just it's hard to internalize the grace. I talked about internalizing societal standards. You know, there are standards of behavior too, like not being insane. I mean, that's not the right word to use, but just mm-hmm. being calm. That's, that's mm-hmm. an expectation I've always had on myself is if I'm like a, what's the right word? Like a, a strong silent type is the, mm-hmm. is the kind of man I've wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But if you are manic, if you are in a mania, that's not what you are. That's not how I am when that happens to me. So I need to internalize the grace, that the grace is sufficient. I need to internalize that to know, like I mentioned before, it's okay for me to fail. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to self, it's hard to pre-forgive myself, right? It's hard mm-hmm. to be okay with the fact that sin is going to make me do things. Paul says in another verse, like I do what I don't want to do. Uh, you may yeah. know the verse. Yeah. So I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I know what you're referencing. Yeah. He talks about like my body is my enemy almost. So mm-hmm. I feel that way about my brain a little bit. So, mm-hmm. but to pre forgive myself and know that I'm going to mess up and, and it's not that that's okay, but it's that there's grace. So I'll be forgiven mm-hmm. and that will be, I'll just continually be forgiven. Like I just need to know that that's the case. I think. Oh my gosh, that's so well said. I think it's hard to internalize, but I think you're right. I think once we get into that practice of recognizing it's okay for me to fail, it's okay. I don't, you know, we get, we've already talked about how perfectionism is so prevalent. Um, but once we accept that that's just this weird societal norm, that's not how God sees us or what God expects from us, you know, I, I get caught up a little bit um, on that word perfect. We've talked about it. And you mentioned the Sermon on the Mount. So actually, that's kind of where my brain went to when I was reading this. And I went back to Matthew chapter 5. It's right at the end. 
So he's already done the Beatitudes and he's talking about specific teachings. And it's in the passage of Matthew 5, verse 48, where he's talking about uh, love of enemies. And there's this line where, where Jesus says, so be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that like gets me and I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, I feel it's contradicting what Paul is saying here. But when I was like looking at my footnotes um, and looking at what it means perfect, it actually in my footnote says that like he means be merciful because he's talking about like loving your enemies. So like being perfect in the way that we forgive, but not and that and I think that includes ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. so that kind of like twists. I don't know. I, that's a roundabout way. But um, going back to like that mercy and forgiveness and that grace I think that is we get hung up on the perfection, but really what Jesus wants us to be is like merciful even to ourselves. Yeah. Mercy. Oh, totally. Mercy <laughs> is such a good word to to bring up when you talk about mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before I get into mercy, I just want to acknowledge that's a, I, I like that verse a lot actually. Yeah. And you know, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day talking about my mental illness and she's like, you know, how, how, how do you think you're going to manage it? Well, you know, like after I had a, um, a manic episode. And it's like, I think I just need to be perfect. And, and that's like kind of flippant, but what I mean is I need to just do my best. I just need to try as hard as I can to eat healthy, exercise regularly. Don't use any substances like alcohol or, or, or marijuana or anything like that. I just need to be as perfect as I can be knowing that I'll mess up, mm-hmm. but I need to try and then have mercy for myself. I, that's kind of the way I, I interpret it. But and this is such a tangent. I, I don't that we could go on a whole episode on this, but I, I think of I think of the book and then now movie Just Mercy. I don't know if you're familiar. I have not seen it or read it, but I it's, okay. I'm familiar with it. But you go ahead and describe it if you'd like. Just just the phrase is alone is enough to like unpack. I think a little bit. But he, the guy that wrote the book, he was working for this this organization that he helped found called EJI, Eco Justice Justice Initiative, and his work. His name is Brian Stevenson was to get people off of death row who were mm-hmm. who were wrongfully convicted of crimes that put them on death row. Mm-hmm. And so he uses that term to be like, justice is very hard to do right if you're a human and working in like a human context. We need to sometimes have just mercy, like mercy that's justified. If, if you can, it's hard to like explain it, but we need to apply mercy to our justice system to do it right sometimes mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool it's it's it seems very biblical when you think of who Jesus was but it's kind of a cool way to flip mm-hmm. some of the bad parts of our justice system which is i would argue a pretty good one i mean there are a lot of problems <laughs> that we can talk about of course but as a as a way to to deliver justice compared to like other countries i would say pretty good but but we have the shortcomings, right? And mm-hmm. and something to fill in the gaps is mercy. We need to have mercy at times on people mm-hmm. to do justice correctly. And again, that's a whole tangent. So I don't want to go on that tangent, but it's worth mentioning, no. I think. Yeah, I think, and we're talking about mercy. You know, there's redemption. We should want people to succeed. And so I think that speaks to what you're talking about with our justice system. I think, you know, we focus so much on the punitive parts of the system, but it's meant to be correctional. You know, it's mm-hmm. meant to, and, and um, I try to emphasize that when I talk about social justice issues with my students. And I think, again, back to us and, and then personal and Paul, like with mercy, and you're mentioning feeling like you need to be perfect. And 
I know you don't mean perfect, but like you you want to master as much yeah, as you can. Great word, and mastery, be, and, yeah. and like be disciplined, right? And I think for some people, I think of like my friends that have addictions and things like that. Like it sucks. Like they have to try to really master and discipline themselves in a way that you know I don't necessarily have, and I I feel bad. But like I think that it's you know God gives us that strength and that grace. Um, and however you tap into it, it's possible, you know. But it's it's challenging. So anyways, I don't know. I was thinking of, of all of that, but as you yeah. were speaking, like yeah. not perf- not perfect, but like we, ha- we all have to be disciplined, you know, okay. like in our own yeah. way. <laughs> so discipline, that brings up another thing. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with for doing behavior management in a school, the idea of restorative justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's another thing that popped into my head is punitive, right? If <laughs> If I teach at a Catholic school, not to use that trope, but am I going to be punitive <laughs> with the students or am I going right. to be merciful or am I going to be both? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to do both? Mm-hmm. I think that's the the concepts of restorative justice. I worked at a, a school in DC for a year. So I had to kind of at least be familiar with this. I wasn't a disciplinarian there. I was a kind of a mentor slash TA teaching assistant person, but um, I had to, to, be aligned with the teachers, the actual teachers on the discipline, right? We wanted to be restorative about the justice, but sometimes it was just too hard. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's another thing I thought of when you talk about discipline. You want to discipline mm-hmm. the youth. You want to discipline children. But what's the right way to do that? It's kind of hard to know in every context. Right. And I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> Your mom will. Yeah. I think that I do okay. I think my students will think that I'm fair, but there is, you know, there's a good balance of like, obviously you want to uplift them and make them feel empowered. Um, but sometimes you have to put rules in place in order for them to all succeed, you know, but that is a little bit where I want to go back to um, sure. right before this verse that you picked in chapter 12 mm-hmm. um, is one of my favorite passages and it's where Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh mm-hmm. and how, and I've referenced that a lot on this podcast because I just love it so much and I love Paul mm-hmm. so much. And for me, you know, I think for all of us, there is that one thorn, maybe, I, you know, I don't put words in your mouth, but you've described a lot about like your mental health. Yeah. Um, for me, like my singleness, the fact that like I'm 40 and all my friends are like married with kids and like that's been a thorn I've kind of had to deal with throughout my life. But I feel like God and I think Paul's saying this later in the verse that you picked too, like he gives us that like kind of thorn to keep us close to him, you know, like that thing that we have to kind of strive for and overcome because it keeps us going to him in prayer. It makes us rely on his grace. And then like, we can use it to help others. Like I think you speaking out and talking about your struggles on this podcast and with other people and conversations, like that's empowering. Like it's vulnerable, but it's like, it can be very helpful for other people. And I feel me too, like my singleness, it's not fun to talk about that weirds people out, but I feel like it also hopefully comforts some people and and empowers some people. So I don't know. um, What do you think about that image of the thorn? No, I can, I can relate to that too. I mean, I have another one that's a physical thorn. I was born with a club foot. So Mm -hmm. it was, this is probably not the right word to use, but it's the most appropriate. I think it was deformed when I was born and I had to get reconstructive surgery at nine months old on my left foot to have it be close to my right. So Mm -hmm. there's always been a ceiling, talk about football, right? Mm -hmm. For my athletic uh, mastery. Mm-hmm. there's always a ceiling where other I knew other guys that I played with would just be able to run faster and come off the ball quicker than me mm-hmm. uh, because of that 
what I would view as a thorn all the time. And mm-hmm. it was hard for me to kind of harken back to the verse to, to boast, you know, mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I hated it. I, I still, I've grown to accept it more and, and see the value in it. Um, but for so, for so long, I was so at times mad at God. Like, why did, why, why do I have this? Like when in reality, there are much worse physical ailments to have, but that's, that's one thing that comes to mind. And, I mean, the singleness, I think of Paul because he talks about in other verses, like I was called to singleness. Like I can't remember the verse, but he talks about, I know a lot of, a lot of other men and women won't have the same calling because it's a hard calling, but Mm -hmm. me like St. Paul, not, he's not saying he's St. Paul, but, but me, Paul, Mm -hmm. I, I have come to realize that this is my calling so that I can focus, be disciplined Mm -hmm. on, on the gospel to spread the gospel. So Mm -hmm. It's hard too. I mean, I haven't had a relationship for like seven years, so mm-hmm. I can, I mean, it's different, but I, I try to, to come back to that idea of like, there is goodness in that. And maybe I will like, and like you mentioned that I am only 26, so. Yeah, so I'm not like in any rush, but, so, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, I can, I can get, I can understand to some degree that it, it is hard. Singleness is it's definitely just, hard. It's just that idea of like what society, and so this is kind of what we're, you know, talking about in general, like society, what they, the expectations are, the perfection, you have to meet all these expectations, you know, relationship status, emotional status, physical, all of it. Right. And so all of us have that one thorn, I think, whatever it might be, whether it be physical, like you were describing, you know, relationship status, like I was describing, like we all have that one thing, but I think what we're trying to say here and what Paul is trying to say, but that is where we are powerful. And that mm. is where we, we are close to God yeah. and society may not view it as powerful, but like, but us speaking about it and educating about it. And I think our society is getting to a better place of like, I look at TikTok now and like, oh, you yeah. know, it's full of body positivity, which I, again, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, I never had growing up or like LGBT youth being like, yeah, I'm, I'm out and I'm, I'm proud. And like, you know, it's just, it's, it's empowering, even though it's vulnerable. So I don't know. I see, I see hope in this area. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about the weakness bit, I think about how when we look to the cross, which is a good thing to do, if you're a Catholic or an evangelical Christian, you look at that was like such a weak state that God was in is the, is the claim that God made himself as, as weak as he possibly could and having a human body and being crucified. And we see power in that because what happened three days later, he rose from the dead. He did the impossible to show us that he's powerful. so Mm -hmm. I, it's not, it's not explicitly said in this verse, but that's what I think of too. There's, there's this book that I read a part of called like the weakness Mm -hmm. of the event or something that was about that whole concept. So Mm -hmm. I think of that too. I think it's good to like add that to the conversation also when you talk about power being made perfect in weakness. Absolutely. Like our, our, and we went as a Catholic and um, at the end of the year, like our big liturgical feast is the feast of Christ the King. And the readings for those Sundays are often about the cross because we don't have a King that is, you know, yes, he was, coming into Jerusalem with like hosannas and palms being, but he was sitting on a donkey. You know, he was never the king that, that our society would envision. Um, mm. And so I, I, I love that about our faith. And as Christians that like, we have this king that was a humble king and that we, we celebrate that spiritually, but I don't think that we celebrate it all the time 
in our society. Obviously, it's countercultural. And I think that when you to go back to what you originally saying about like trying to master and like internalize that grace, um, I think that's an image we have to remember is that we have a, a God that was like a humble, broken king. Yeah, know, but, uh, but a humble, broken powerful. king. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I always think of like his kingdom, which I would say is heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. There's this there's a song. It's so simple, but I when I was a kid going to 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 Catholic school, I loved it. They would play it at the end of some services. It went, "Jesus, remember me when you mm-hmm. come into your kingdom." And it was mm-hmm. it was the quote of the guy who was mm-hmm. next to him on the cross. And his response was, "Today you will be with me in paradise," mm-hmm. because the guy was so weak in that moment. He said, "I I know that you are God in this moment. I need you. Please help me." And God said, "That faith is going to get mm-hmm. you to go with me." I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I use that example, but go back to restorative justice. Oh, like yeah. I use that example, like here's this sinner who like admitted mm. he was sin, like sinful, was uh, executed for it. Um, mm. But yet he is still with Jesus in heaven. Jesus acknowledges wow, it. So yeah. like there is redemption, you know, even on our deathbed. <laughs> you yeah, know? actually. Yeah. So, oh, Sean, we've got, I love this conversation. I feel like we've pulled so much out of this and I know there's more that we could do, but what are some final thoughts as we're wrapping up here that you'd like us to take away from this passage? I, I honestly don't think there's one that I could, that I could key in <laughs> on, but I just, this was a great conversation and I thank you so much for having me on and hopefully I can be on again for another verse. I, I really yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah, I love it too. Um, at the end, I like I give my guests if I know a chance to plug anything. Yeah. I don't know if there's any like websites or social media or books or something you want us to check out. I would love for y'all to check out my friend who's a musician. Can I plug him? Yes, please. Okay, his name is Nathan Kohlberg. You can find his stuff on Spotify. He has two albums and an EP. Uh, his most recent album from last year is Into the Wild. Very good. A lot of really powerful lyricism and just beautiful instrumentation. He's really great. Nathan Kohlberg. Cool. Definitely check that out. And if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's seven mile chats all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter. It's more of my school account where I I tweet about things I'm doing in the classroom and Catholic education. It's at mistruckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. I love for you all to follow me if you want to be a guest or talk about scripture, let me know. Thanks again, Sean, for being here. It was a really great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. This was really, really awesome. Bye, everyone.